brought to you by St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. Hello everyone. Today we're here at the Outreach Teen and Family Services office. We are so excited to have Dr. Wright here as our guest. Dr. Wright is the director of the Department of Psychiatry at St. Clair Health and will be providing his expertise as we record our sixth episode, our happiness half hour. We will be debunking three lies about happiness and re-examining what really makes people happy. We also have a a guest host here today with me. Sid is not able to be here, so I have my friend Jordan. Jordan, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Yeah, hey guys. Um, I'm Jordan. I'm going to um, Boston College in the fall. Um, I run track and field, and I'm a student council officer. Awesome. Thanks for coming, Jordan. Dr. Wright, thank you again for being here. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. Uh, my name is Bruce Wright. Uh, I'm a psychiatrist. I work at St. Clair Hospital. I'm actually a Mount Lebanon graduate as well. Awesome. St. Clair Health is our first annual sponsor. So before we jump into the content, please take a second to listen to their ad. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. All right, guys, you know the drill. It's time for our fast five questions. The first one we have is cake or pie. Uh, I'm definitely a cake person. Jordan and Dr. Wright? Um, I like key lime pie. That's my favorite, so I'm going to go with pie. Boston cream pie, which is a cake. Oh, okay, so you kind of got both there. (laughs) Um, okay, next one. Polka dots or stripes? Um, I think I'm going to go with polka dots. Yeah, I kind of like, I don't know. I got, well, I'm going to go with stripes. What about you? My socks are stripes, so I'll go with stripes. <laughs> okay. Um, Mexican food or pasta? I'm definitely uh, a Mexican food person. Uh, I, I think I'm going to have to go with pasta on that one. As long as it's spicy, either one. <laughs> Um, okay, next one. L.A. or New York? Um, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, New York on this one because I've never been to L.A. So, <laughs> uh, Same with me. I'm, I'm heading to New York for college, so that's my answer. I was recently in L.A., so I'll say L.A. Okay. All right, our last one, Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? Um, I'm definitely Swedish Fish. I'm not a huge sour candy person. Um, I think I like Sour Patch Kids better. Red Swedish Fish. all right so now we're going to get right into our content and talk about some of the misconceptions and the lies about happiness so one of the big things that we hear in our day-to-day lives is that you know um money the idea that when you have more money you'll be happier um and then there's also you know the saying money can't buy happiness so dr wright do you have any take on this you're kind of uh uh, showing your hand by saying it's a lie. Yeah, yeah. Do you believe it's a lie? Um, I mean, I don't know. I think this is a hard one. I think, you know, like when you get when you get paid at work or you know when you buy something, you get that like momentary spike of you know serotonin and you know feel like content for a little bit. But I think that wears off pretty quickly. Um, I don't know. I think there's like the idea that. You know, I'll, I'll be happier when I reach this milestone or I'll be happier when I get here. But, um, yeah, I think once you get to that milestone, you realize that it's not always true. 
Well, I, I think you can't answer that question because it's both a yes and a no. Sometimes money right. can make you happy and sometimes it, it does not make you happy. And I think that's easy to see just by looking at the rich and famous who have been depressed or have committed suicide. There's a lot of famous people, rich people, who've committed suicide. The Hemingways, Robin Williams, Marilyn Monroe. But despite that, it's easy to look at the, the luxury they have, the wine cellars and the yachts, and, and think if you were in their shoes, you would be fine and happy. Uh, you can also, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, sorry. You can also look at uh, professions, some of the, uh, or the rate of suicide in professions. If you look at the top five professions with the highest suicide rate, it's physicians, veterinarians, police officers, financial planners, and dentists. Those could be considered relatively successful careers Absolutely. with some financial security, but still there's a higher risk of suicide. So if you look at it that way, money does not equate with happiness. On the other side of the coin, there's a lot of people who would be considered poor or destitute, not only here, but in other parts of the world that are very happy. So it's you don't have to have money to make you happy. So there's no easy answer uh, to that question. I think uh, if you look, it's if you look at the research on this question, there's there's some interesting research uh, out there. Uh, one is what is your motivation for being for earning money or for wanting to be rich? The research shows that if you're earning money to try to keep up with the Joneses, it's not going to keep you happy because you always want more than what you have. Other research research uh, looks at the difference between satisfaction and happiness. Satisfaction is essentially uh, earning what you need or having enough money to, to put a roof on your head or to have food as opposed to happiness. They differentiate between satisfaction and happiness. In general, money uh, will equate with happiness as, uh, to the point that you're satisfied, that you have enough to, to survive. Beyond that point, money does not necessarily equate with happiness. The curve levels out. Uh, there's a, a quote by Arnold Schwarzenegger that I like. He said, I was happy when I had $40 million. I have $50 million now, and I'm no more happy. So the, the, kind of plat the, the, the curve plateaus. Another research um, or other research on this uh, subject uh, shows that happiness, that the money can equate with happiness depending on what you do with your money. People who buy luxury items, Rolexes or yachts, are not necessarily any happier. But those who spend the money on experiences like fancy or, or vacations or time with their family, that does or that can equate with happiness. Uh, spending money on uh, saving time can also equate with happiness. For example, paying somebody to, uh, to do your art, yard work or housework gives you f or frees up time to spend more time with your family or to, to do things you enjoy. So in that respect, money can equate with happiness. Other research shows that investing in others can bring happiness. I've got a, uh, I know a woman who has not very much money, but she spends all the free money she has buying fabric to make bags to give to kids who've been put in foster care. She realized that kids in foster care have to put their belongings in a garbage bag. So she makes, she sews these bags to give to the kids in foster care, and that brings her happiness. She spends all of her free money on that. Another study showed that, um, well, let me back up. It's, it's well known that social connectedness, that the social support system equates with happiness. People who have a strong support system are more likely to be happy. 
sometimes people can spend money to increase to improve their social connectedness. Either they um, participate in groups or activities, or they're uh, able to join uh, um, uh, different uh, um, uh, groups that where they can expand uh, their happiness, or, the, or I'm sorry, expand their social connectedness. And with that, they will be more happy. So that might be a way to improve your happiness. So the bottom line is money doesn't protect us from unhappiness. Uh, being uh, Not having money doesn't protect you from being, or, or you can be happy. Uh, and the important thing is what you spend your money on, that, that it may help you uh, be more happy. But it's not an absolute. None of this is absolute. So there's no, uh, there's no way to answer that question you asked me. I wouldn't say it's a lie, but I wouldn't say it's a truth either. Sure. Yeah, I think that um, I think that makes sense. Like, it depends on like what you're spending your money on, and I also think um, if your like career or your job is something that you're really passionate about and you're earning money, um, I think that can definitely make you happy. Also, or if you're spending your money on spending time with your family, or you know, not just like material items. So yeah, I think it just kind of depends on the situation. Yeah, I think like if you're in a job for the money, like I think you might want to re like or in anything for the money, re-examine what you're looking at. Or if you're in a job that you love and the money is just a bonus, then I think you're, you know, you're in it for the right reasons. All right. So the next one that we're looking at here is uh, the sort of sugar craving, you know, when you're feeling, uh, when you catch yourself feeling not so great, uh, thinking that sugar such as desserts or candy will make you happier. Any thoughts? Uh, well, they certainly can. If I have Boston cream pie, I'm going to be a little happier. <laughs> the problem is if I have too much Boston cream pie, I'm, it's going to affect me in the long run. Certainly when you have something sweet, uh, the sugar uh, is pleasurable, and the sugar also stimulates the brain to release certain neurotransmitters that might, might make you feel better. But sugar is metabolized very quickly, and when the sugar is gone, you can crash. You can have a low. Or if you have too much over the course of time, those neurotransmitters will be depleted and you might feel more depressed or anxious or irritable or cranky. So to answer your question, maybe immediately, but long term, it, it could do the opposite. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's always that like, oh, let's get some ice cream. <laughs> you know, I think there's also a boredom factor to it. Like when you're, um, you know, when you just want something to do. I think, you know, eating can be the thing that comes to mind. So, but then you're, you know, back at square one. Okay. We're going to cut one more time to pause and thank St. Clair Health for their generosity in sponsoring the first season of Teens Tap In. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together by creating reliable resources that recognize all of our neighbors with access to the highest quality healthcare, advanced care close to home, and a shared humanity that delivers on our joint vision to create a healthier community for all. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. Jordan's gonna kick us off with our first question. Okay, so um, Dr. Wright, in your experience as a psychiatrist, what do you think truly makes people happy? I don't have any idea. There's, <laughs> yeah, that's a hard question. Yeah, that's a very hard question. And something that I spent some time thinking about when I got the questions yesterday. Um, I, don't, I can't answer this for you or you or anybody who's listening. I can only answer it from my years of experience seeing patients and my own personal experience. What I find 
makes me happy. And what I did when I when I got the question is I kind of generated my own top 10 list or the 10 things that I think make people happy. Before I go through that list, I think it's important to differentiate between unhappiness that we all feel at one point or another and unhappiness, the, the, the disease state, uh, depression. And that's really what I treat in my practice is people who have uh, depression, the disease, as opposed to people who are unhappy, because we all, that happens to all of us once, uh, or maybe more frequently than, than not, but we all have those mood swings. That's what makes us enjoy being unhappy. It's because you or enjoy being happy because you can compare it to the unhappy time. So when I'm talking about happy I'm, and, and uh, unhappy, I'm not really talking about depression, the major depression that we see in uh, patients in my office. So I'll just start with my top 10 list yeah, if you want sure. me to. Number one, luck. <laughs> I think luck is something that can make people happy. And I'm not talking about chance luck where you guess whether the coin is going to land on heads or tails. I'm talking about the luck that we can cultivate. In a lot of ways, luck is similar to resilience. And I'll kind of talk about both of them under this, uh, this first um, factor to make people happy. Uh, and I think that there's several ways that we can build our luck, that we can become more lucky as people or more resilient. One of them is to work hard. There's a famous golfer, an old-time golfer, Lee Trevino, who said, the harder I practice, the luckier I get. So I think hard work is an important factor when you're trying to be lucky. You have to persevere and, and, and keep working. Number two is take chances. I think the more chances you take, the better uh, the chances that you'll have luck, that something good will happen to you. You don't want to retreat or hibernate. You have to uh, take, take chances. Number three is to embrace your mistakes. Don't see your mistakes as failures, but learn from your mistakes. The Dalai Lama said, quote, sometimes not getting what you want is a tremendous stroke of luck. You need to learn from, from your mistakes and realize that we're not perfect. And with that, with hard work and, and perseverance and learning what you did wrong, the chance that you'll be lucky in the future increases. Next is optimism. I use the term delusional optimism. It means somebody who also has almost a false sense of optimism. People who believe they are lucky are more likely to be lucky than people who are convinced they are unlucky. You want to try to look on the bright side. That's not easy for everybody, and sometimes talking, talk therapy can help people reframe their thoughts or the way they look at the world so they can be more positive, to, to reframe their, their negative thoughts. Yeah, Dr. Ray, if I can jump in on this one. I Please think, do. Um, a lot of people think therapy is for people that are, you know, really feeling that something's wrong with their life or that they're in a, a nasty spot, but I think a lot of people could that don't necessarily feel... Um, that something's totally off in their life could benefit from being in therapy, you know, almost as a sort of preventative measure, like to, so that you don't get to that spot. I mean, I don't think it always needs to be like a last ditch effort um, when you, when you're really feeling down to go and get into therapy. I think, you know, having that outlet is something that's good for people that aren't feeling totally awful yet. Well, I say that all the time. I think that you people can benefit from therapy if they are insightful, if they can reflect on what's going on in their life, and if they have stresses they need to deal with. 
who oh, doesn't have stresses. Right. So there's yeah. a potential benefit from therapy for most people if you're motivated to do that. Not everybody is. Yeah. All right. Let's hear the rest of your list. Okay. I'm still on luck. Uh, I think you have to look for alternatives, and this has to do with the resilience. You don't accept failure or rejection. If the door closes on you, you look for a window to climb through. You, you, you need to persevere. Uh, I recently heard a story of a man who applied for graduate school. He got rejected two years in a row. So what he decided to do was to write a letter to the woman in charge of uh, admissions for that graduate program. She was so struck by his thank you letter. He wrote a thank you letter saying, I appreciate the opportunity to, to um, investigate your program and to meet with you. She was so struck by his letter that she invited him out to lunch. They had a great lunch. She invited him to be a research assistant for a year. And the next year, he was accepted to the program. You could call that luck, but you could also call that looking for alternatives. He cultivated his luck in that situation. Uh, in, in, in the same vein, adaptability, you have to be able to roll with the punches and remind yourself you're not helpless or don't accept um, uh, failure as who you are. It's just a strike uh, at that point in time. You have to bounce up and keep moving. So that was number one, luck. Number two on my list of what makes people happy is simplicity. Turn the page here in my notes. Um, my wife reminds me all the time that she's a simple person. Um, and I think part of that's because she's from the Midwest. She's from Wisconsin, where the, the general sense is about Midwesterners Westerners is they're honest, they're down to earth, they're not pretentious, and they're simple people. Some people view that as a negative connotation, but I don't think it is. She finds joy in simple things. Walking the dog at nighttime is a simple pleasure to her. That's where she finds happiness. So you don't need extravagant uh, um, uh, activities to, to be happy. Find joy in the simple simple aspects of life. I know another man who makes soprasada, Italian sausage. It's a simple activity. I mean, it's kind of complicated, but it's a relatively simple thing. That brings in such joy and happiness. You have to find your simple thing to, to bring you uh, to that point, to bring you to happiness. Uh, one other example, I know a, a couple that at their wedding, instead of cutting a, a wedding cake, they had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> and they cute. did that because that was their first meal together. And they've Aww. kind of become connoisseurs in peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> it's simple, but that brings them happiness. So I think finding a simple pleasure um, is important. Number three is connectedness, connections and relationships. I think being connected to people is extremely important when it comes to happiness. That's where your support system comes from. When you have a problem, you can rely on them. And it's important to remember that the, the relationship, social connectedness, is not going to come, to come to you. You have to go out and find it. You have to actively try to become a part of a group or an organization, some, something to cultivate, so to, um, to be a part of, to cultivate those relationships. Number four is curiosity. As I get older, for some reason, I find this very important. I think some people, they stagnate. They stop growing. They stop learning. They're not curious. Um, do something new. Push, your, push the envelope. Go to a museum if you've never been there. Go hiking if you haven't done that. Do yoga, something. Just push. keep pushing. Be curious. Number five is dreaming and planning. Uh, I think, and again, this is just me from my experience and my own, 
my own personal experience, but also working with people for years, I think working towards a goal uh, is an important aspect of happiness. On my wife's 49th birthday, I gave her, we decided to go to Italy for her 50th birthday. Over that next year, we planned the itinerary. We learned as much as we could about Italy. We took a course at the high, uh, Italian language course at the high school. We kind of uh, immersed ourselves in, in Italian culture. The anticipation was almost as, as brought almost as much happiness as the actual trip. I think working towards something is very important. Number six are the obvious one, exercise and, and diet. You've got to exercise. You've got to eat healthy. You've got to preserve your sleep. That's going to help people be happy um, with time. Number seven, don't compare yourself to others. You've heard the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. You can't base your happiness on your perceptions of others. You need to base it on, on your own goals. Number eight, gratitude and appreciation. You hear this all the time. You have to be thankful for where you are and who you're with, and you have to show that to people. Number nine is compartmentalize. You have to learn how to compartmentalize, to not let one uh, problem in your life affect your entire well-being. You need to be able to, to close a chapter and, and move on. It's not... Not that you can forget uh, a bad experience or a bad emotion. You have to work through it, but don't let it affect everything about you. Number nine. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I skip one? Let me see. I don't know. I think we were on eight. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Nine, compartmentalized. Number ten, sacredness and i'm not talking about religion here but you need to find something to honor whether it's religion it is for a lot of people or something else whether it's uh, it could be nature it could be public justice whatever it is you need to hold something in honor and and, and value that so those are just my 10 kind of uh, that i thought about over the past day when i got these questions and i think uh, if somebody were to ask me again i would say those are my keys to happiness yeah, I think those are all really um, great points. So you kind of touched on a lot of them, but what are some coping strategies that you've seen working for other people or maybe even yourself that could help our listeners improve their mental resilience? Well, it's all the, all the things I said before. You have to be flexible and adaptable and simple and thankful. Um, it's the combination of all of those. And I, I can't tell you what would make you happy, just as you can't tell me what would make me happy. People have to find that on their own. Yeah, I think that's really important to recognize, like you were saying, um, you know, the thing about the grass is always greener. You know, someone may look like they have it all together or look like they're, you know, loving their life when in reality that's not what they're really feeling. I think this is like especially relevant with, you know, the world of social media that we live in. You know, people are presenting them be their best selves and their, you know, the best 1% of their life. You kind of think of it as an iceberg, you know, what's above the water is, you know, the trips they're taking and, you know, the all the friends that they're hanging out with. But then there's so much more below the surface that they're not, I mean, no one wants to show the, you know, the not so perfect side of their life online. So I think it's important to realize that someone that presents themselves as totally put together and, you know, doing well, that's not always the reality for them. Perception is not reality. Absolutely. You yeah. don't see what's really happening. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, everyone posts the best pictures of themselves or the best experiences of themselves on social media. And it's just, it's not, it's not real. Like you have to remember that there's so much more that goes into that stuff. And I also really like what you said about um, like getting involved in a group or um, like putting in hard work, because I definitely think that um, I mean, like my best memories in high school were, I mean, have been me being involved in like cheerleading or track or student council. So I definitely think that that's like a big thing. And um, it just it, it makes you feel really good about yourself to be a part of something and then even work hard in within that group. So That's the experiences I was talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, um, it's both gratifying for yourself, but also when you're in a group that appreciates your work, you know, it it's kind of that loop of feeling do good, feel good. So, um, all right. Our last question. Um, okay. So do you have any resources that you'd recommend to our listeners to help them feel happier and more content? <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> because that's a, again, a very individual thing. Often I tell my patients, ask me what book they should read. Yeah, I've got a few books I might mention, but I tell them to, to go to Amazon and search a book that they think will f- help them or go to Barnes & Noble into the self-help section or the psychology section and find something that that rings true to them. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter what I say. It matters w- what is, what's important to you. Yeah, Just I like think. I like Boston cream pie, but you like, <laughs> I forget what you said. Key lime pie. Key lime pie, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, None of these resources or strategies are a one-size-fits-all solution. I mean, everyone is living a totally different life, so everyone needs totally different outlets. And, you know, for me, it's um, reading or being outside or, um, you know, being with my dog. I think (laughs) pets are, like, one of the best possible things you could do for your mental health. I mean, to people that obviously have the resources to do so. But and those are pretty simple things. Yeah. They, you don't need a yacht to be happy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, just finding it might take some trial and error, but finding an outlet that you can even give 15 minutes a day to is, you know, um, it can be helpful to, to, you know, increase that mental resilience that we were talking about and just giving yourself something to look forward to. Like for me, it's like I was saying, you know, reading for 15, 30 minutes before I go to bed. Um, That also helps with what we were saying, like the sleep schedule. So, you know, when it's something that can benefit you in multiple aspects, I think that's when you really start to see that, that um, payback. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Lastly, this podcast would not be possible without the support of our generous sponsor, St. Clair Health. Please listen to the following ad. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. All right, that wraps up our content with Dr. Wright and Jordan today. Uh, We'd like to thank all of our listeners for our support. We've loved seeing, uh, you know, our numbers of listens and downloads and follows go up. So keep sharing, um, you know, keep listening. And we'd love to hear from you about what else you'd like us to talk about. If you think you can provide us with a valuable perspective, if you have feedback on our episodes, or if you have connections to someone that might like to be a guest, please send this feedback and ideas to podcasts at outreachteam.org. That's podcasts with an S at outreachteam.org. 
Okay, so for the more clerical things happening here at the office, uh, we're currently recruiting for our youth advocacy committee that will be coming together um, by the end of the summer and hopefully be in full swing by the 2022-2023 school year. Sid and I are going off to college, so we got to hand down the ropes. Um, this is a great opportunity to, for any teen or um, young adult that would like to make a difference in their community and promote mental wellness. Uh, if you think you have a voice that can be used to broaden outreach's mission and reach your peers in the communities we serve, we'd love to hear from you. And you can apply to be on the youth advocacy email by emailing Maggie Zangara, our program manager at M-Z-A-N-G-A-R-A. That's mzangara at outreachteam.org. Thank you, Dr. Wright, and thanks, Jordan, so much for being here. We had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed in the Teens Tap In podcast represent the opinions of the hosts and their guests. The views and opinions expressed by Outreach Teen and Family Services employees, donors, and volunteers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view of Outreach Teen and Family Services or the show's sponsors. The content here should not be taken as counseling advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is unique, please consult your mental health provider or physician for any mental health counseling or other medical questions. The podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including, but not limited to, establishing a standard of care in a legal sense, or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. If you find any error in any of the content of the podcast, please contact us at podcasts at outreachteen.org. Outreach Teen and Family Services, its sponsors, donors, and partners expressly disclaim any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages whatsoever arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast. Please go to www.outreachteen.org to see the complete notice and disclaimer for the podcast episodes.